Hello, Typology Tribe. Ian Morgan Cronk here, host of the show Typology, on which we explore the mystery of the human personality. And every now and then, we explore the life of Anthony Skinner, my co-host and producer. <laughs> Anthony, how are you, my brother? I'm doing great, man. Good to be with you today. I'm excited about our guest today. Oh, man. I am jazzed for our guest today. You know why? Well, yeah. I'll explain to it when we... Let me bring on our new friend, Mignon Francois, author of the new book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe, Enneagram 4, maybe Enneagram 2. Oh, that might be cause for conversation. Mignon, welcome to <laughs> Typology. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting for me. It's probably more exciting for me than it oh. is for you, but you know that stands yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are equally as as excited uh, to have you on board. You are this incredible entrepreneur survivor, dare I say. <laughs> you know, we're talking, ladies and gentlemen, to a woman who has sold 5 million cupcakes. And I want to say that I am responsible for eating two of them. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you right now, because you make my favorite cupcake in the world. Are you ready? Yeah. The red velvet, baby. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I can't, my wife is in the next room, so I can't say that your carrot cake cupcake is better than her carrot cake. So I'm going to mouth it. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> anyway, uh, come on now, Vignon, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about you in the Enneagram today. Yes, oh my gosh, this is so exciting! I am a mother of seven. I am a grandmother to eight, and I spend my time going around telling others what they could do if only they believe. I started out uh, with mm. a bakery brand because I was following a man named. Ba named Dave Ramsey, who was telling people they could get out of debt by having a bake sale or a garage sale. Problem is, I couldn't have a garage sale because we sold everything we had to get to Nashville in the first place. And the problem with the bake sale was I didn't know how to bake, not even out of a box. But I had these two daughters who were 10 and 16 who were great at baking, and I thought they could handle the volume of a bake sale. So I decided, let's start a business doing this. And shortly after we got started, my oldest daughter let me know she really wasn't interested in mom's bakery idea. And because I had placed a sign outside of my window saying that a bakery was coming soon, I felt like I had told the whole world and I had to keep my word to the world. And so I had to learn how to start baking. And it was in my kitchen in Nashville, in North Nashville, that I found a recipe for success using the help of my grandmother who was talking me through it over the phone long distance. And we had done this before 17 years earlier when I was trying to learn how to cook. And so I knew that I'd be able to successfully do this with her over the phone. And so I made my first unsuccessful cake. <laughs> it was the worst thing that you, I had ever done. And it made me go back and sit with the recipe and realize that there was something wrong with my grandmother's recipe and many grandmothers <laughs> for that fact, because a lot of times, you know, when grandma makes you something, it's not the same as it was last time or it's not, you know, it's like grandma, oh, what yeah. happened? It was better last time. And I knew that if I was going to create a business on this, it had to be consistent. And so I looked at my grandmother's mm -hmm. recipe and all of a sudden I had this aha moment that 
every stupid thing that I'd ever had to do was taking me from where I was to where I wanted to be. And in that kitchen, Mm. I realized that my degree in science, that my background where I couldn't apply this science to the human body, I could apply it to flour, butter, sugar, and eggs. And I started manipulating ingredients as if it were in a lab in order to get my first successful recipe. And then I started going out into the neighborhoods from there asking people to try it. And I literally am a super shy, shy person. But when you're hungry and you know you have to eat, you have to swallow that down and go do what you have to do. And so as they were tearing down one house and putting up 15 in my neighborhood, I would walk up to strangers and say, hey, my name is Mignon Francois. I see that sign over there on the house. A bakery coming soon. Look, I don't know how to bake. My family says it's good, but will you taste it? Because I just think they love me. And those people would taste it and they'd offer me cash money on the sidewalk for whatever I had left. And I knew I had something that I wanted to build from there. But it was when my neighbor knocked and I was sitting in the back of my house doing the Dave Ramsey baby step plan. I didn't have electricity. We were running our house on a generator and I realized I only had $5 left to my name when she asked me to make cupcakes for the season for all of her clients as thank yous. And I leveraged the five, went to the grocery store, bought everything I could buy with that five and turned it into 60 that day. And I turned that 60 into 600 by the end of the week. And I've been flipping that same money for the last 17 years to the tune of no debt, no experience in the business, no knowledge of the industry being voted now as the best cake in Tennessee, the best cake in Louisiana. And we're ranked as one of the top 10 in the nation for places to buy cake as we ship our cupcakes nationwide through our partnership with FedEx. Wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Mignon, Francois, Enneagram, we don't know what, but clearly a cool human being. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What a wonderful, wonderful story. We got to come back to the seven kids thing in a second and the eight grandkids because you, you skittered over the top of that thing like it was nothing. But we're going to come back. Not yet, but we're going to come back. So you've told us you love the Enneagram before we started the show. You love using it with your team. Mm-hmm. You watched the Enneagram Made Simple course that Don Miller and I did together when you were going through the story mm-hmm. brand stuff, I guess, with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fantastic. And yet... You're not sure if you're an Enneagram 4 or an Enneagram 2. Uh, why, why is this? Because when I took the Enneagram test, my numbers came back equally as a 2 and a 4. And there's so much- The exact about, same score? The exact same score. And so there's so much mm. about both of them that resonated to me that I thought, well, maybe you're supposed to just pick the one that you like the best. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I sort of- um, lean toward a four because I because of that sort of unique style, wanting to be an individual and all that. But the more I've read The Road Back to You. <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> maybe it's all about what my intentions are on the inside. And when I look at who mm. I am in the silence, the part that I not necessarily want people to know. Maybe I'm a two. All right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's just talk about that for a second. All right, and let's see if we can. Now, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you your type, but but mm-hmm. there are some some similarities and there are some differences, right? Mm-hmm. So twos, threes, and fours, all of them are in the heart triad, right? So. 
we have three brains, Mignon. We have this brain, the mental up in our heads. Uh, we have our heart, which is a brain, mm-hmm. right? It tells us stuff. It has its own intelligence. And we have a gut that has its own intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. It, it tells us stuff and uh, it thinks in its own kind of way, all right, and mm-hmm. communicates with us. Now, we all have all three, but we tend to lean into one more than the other two. We tend to actually over-rely on one mm-hmm. more than the other two. So people in the heart triad uh, tend to pr- see the world. The world comes at them and is processed through the heart, okay? And um, they tend to be overly emotional. Uh, they, they, they're often... Twos and fours in particular, uh, they're not always very good critical thinkers. Uh, They can oftentimes make decisions on feelings more than on facts. And, you know, that can all be corrected with a little self-awareness, right? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. But one of the core emotions that the twos, threes, and fours have to wrestle with is shame. Mm -hmm. Uh, For five, sixes, and sevens, it's going to be fear. For eight, nines, and ones, it's going to be anger. But for people like you, me, and Anthony... Four, four. Mm-hmm. Anthony and I are both fours. You two are four. Shame is like a big deal, yeah, uh, in our lives, and we'll 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 circle to it with you in a in a moment. So, do you tend to move more towards people in general, or do you tend to withdraw and move away from people in general? Oh, that's a hard question. I probably tend to move away from people. Mm-hmm. I think more people are drawn to me than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I find okay. myself being in a situation where I like people, but I'm very shy. So I'm not going to like go into a networking situation and walk up to somebody in a one-on-one situation and say, hi, I'm Mignon. This is what I do. What do you do? That is very uncomfortable for me. Versus mm. if I just were on a stage, I'd be at home with 3,000 people in the room telling them all my business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, twos typically move towards other people and engage with them. And sometimes they do it too much. <laughs> like uh, twos can be like uh, they're helpers, right? And so, in fact, mm-hmm. the, another name we use for the two is the befriender. Mm-hmm. Not just the helper, but the befriender, because a two can make friends with a parking meter. Mm-hmm. They can just walk right up to that parking meter and make friends. That parking meter, love them. But I'm just saying, like, they are very, you know, uh, engaged with other people, whereas fours tend to withdraw from other people and they hope that others will seek them out. <laughs> so you'll see a four at a party, like, standing in the corner. Like looking around and you will, other people will think they're aloof and -hmm. not interested. But in reality, what they're really doing is kind of going like, please come and see me, come and, come and ask me who I am. You know what I mean? And it's a little bit, it's a little bit of this being special, unique thing, but it's also just their kind of with their withdrawn, uh, 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 style. Um, and And that's so uh, funny that you use that word because I wouldn't say that I was aloof, but when my daughter-in-law first started engaging with me, she said, we laughed and she said, that was definitely a word I used to describe you. And I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, it's more how pe- it's more how others might perceive you as opposed to you, how you might describe your, yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of other ways to think about this, right? If you're a two, 
you tend to look for people to rescue. Okay. You tend to be someone who's sort of looking for the underdog, want to take them in, want to love on them. Right. And if you're a four, chances are you're more likely to be someone who wants to be rescued. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm not looking for anyone to rescue. I think it just happens to be that I tend to want to help somebody through something and I over help in a Mm -hmm. way that maybe they didn't ask me to. But yeah, I'm looking for someone to come and rescue me. You are very me. complicated. Okay. <laughs> so. I've heard you, this so much in my life. Well, <laughs> well, we're going to keep saying it until yeah. you cry. Okay. So twos. All right. So twos are typically very aware of other people's feelings, like Mm -hmm. weirdly psychically aware of other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be uh, sort of unaware of their own feelings. Like, Like they don't really know what they're feeling or what they want or what they need. And they don't know what their motivations are. And then on the other hand, fours are highly attuned to their own feelings. Right. And in fact, I would would say that's definitely not me. So for me, I could walk into a room and know exactly how you feel. We're we're honing in now, Anthony. We're getting in now. (laughs) (laughs) I could walk in and know exactly how you feel or be so concerned with how you feel until you tell me how you feel. To be able to make you feel comfortable enough with me that you would share with me what's going on so that I could pray for you or help you or tell you that it's going to be all right or tell mm-hmm. you it doesn't always have to be like this mm-hmm. or. All right. But I'd never so, know how to express how I feel. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to make two statements. You tell me which one sounds more like you. They both okay. may sound like you. They both probably will sound like you. I want you to tell mm-hmm. me which one sounds even 10% more like you. Okay. This is so fun. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. So far. Okay. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I am a, someone who really wants to meet the needs of other people to help them. Uh, I, I really am in touch with other people's feelings and I want them I want to, I, and I also am in touch with what they need. And sometimes I think I know what they need more than they do, right? It's almost like, oh my gosh, don't you know you need this? And sometimes I might even offer to give them, or not even offer, but actually give them what they, what I think they need without asking them if that's cool or not, right? And I tend to be bubbly. I tend to be a little bit optimistic. I'm kind of a sunny person. Um, and I am uh, someone who sometimes, when people don't reciprocate and help me as much as I tend to help others, if I'm not in a great place, I can get kind of resentful and pissy about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, but I'm, but I'm also a person who can bounce back pretty fast, you know, and kind of get back in that and in, into a, a good place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now here's another way. I'm going to give you another description. Okay. And you okay. see if, see if this one works. Okay. okay. I am a person who for my whole life has always felt like I don't fit in anywhere. And I also can be a little bit of somebody who's melancholy and withdrawn from other people. Uh, 
I'm very attuned to my own feelings. And sometimes my being attuned to my own feelings blinds me to the feelings of others because I'm a little self-absorbed when I'm not in a great space. I can be a little bit inwardly rather than outwardly focused. Um, I'm a person who is tremendously creative and imaginative. Um, some might say I'm an artist, though I'm not necessarily an artist. I could be somebody who's just interested in creative things, right? Like, I don't know, being a, like a floral designer or a yoga teacher, you know what I mean? But I love to do things that are different and special and unique. I don't want to be somebody who does what other people do. I don't like to be thought of as ordinary. I want to be thought of as extraordinary. I want to be special. I want to be unique. But here's the deal. I'm a very complicated person that you know, can be very complicated in relationships because I push people away and draw them in at the same time. Uh, I can be very fickle. I can be very moody. I can be very temperamental. Uh, I've, I've been someone in life who's possibly really struggled with depression at, at some point. And, uh, and I can be needy when I'm not in a great space. I can be somebody who'll call you at two in the morning and not be very respectful of the fact that you're asleep, but it's really important that I share my feelings with somebody right this minute. So I have a need to be special and unique. Because mm -hmm. I want to compensate for what I think is a broken piece inside of my heart that prevents me uh, and disqualifies me from being loved and belonging in the world. Now, I just mm -hmm. gave you two different pictures of two different types of people. Which tell me which sound one like sounds... You. Okay, you got... Okay, that's not good. You got to tell me which one sounds <laughs> even 5% more like you than the other. Okay. I think the one that sounds more like me is the first one. Yeah. Uh, because I think I'm generally happy. I do look inward and understand how I feel. I will call you at two o'clock in the morning and wake you up because I need to know right now. But I'm very rarely ever depressed. I bounce back really quickly. Um, I'm always looking for joy in things. Um I would do people say, who hold on, do, hold on, Mignon, Do people who need help seek you out? Yes, it depends on what they need help for. Yeah, though. okay. But do they? Do people see you as a warm and nurturing uh -huh. and caring, caring person? Yeah. who's optimistic, who believes in other people, and like they're like, oh, a I lot gotta of go talk call to me, mom. All right, who I'm not, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm not even might not even be old enough to be their mom, but I'm mom mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Okay, all right. Well, um, an ear so for many, a lot of people. All right, so let me just explain to you a dynamic here. Uh, that, and I, I think this is helpful for everybody listening because I think it's so interesting when we have somebody in your shoes who's like sort mm -hmm. of like uncertain, right? So there's if you look at the enneagram, the two and the four are connected by a line. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. So. When a two is doing really well, they start to look like a healthy four, mm -hmm. meaning that they're, you know, it's called their security point. So when you're feeling good and secure, you're very creative. You're very imaginative. You are attuned, not just to your own feelings, but you're also empathic and in tune to other people's feelings. Um, it's, you know, uh, I, whether you're a two or a, th a four, you, you clearly, in my mind, I don't know, you have a strong three wing somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you've got ambition, you have drive, you uh, believe. These are 
very three-ish qualities. Okay. Like you, mm-hmm. if you're, if you were a four, you, I couldn't imagine you having a five wing, you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, yeah. And so with the two, and by the way, twos can be very ambitious, mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. in some ways more than fours. Fours can get stuck in their imaginations and have lots of great ideas that they can't execute on. They just get stuck mm-hmm. imagining about them. So, and that frustrates the, me about people. <laughs> okay, so and then and then you, for the sake of just explaining to everybody the that four has a line to the two as well, mm-hmm. right? When they when they're mm-hmm. in stress, yeah. But they go to the they go to the bad side of two, right? So the four mm-hmm. starts to look like an unhealthy two, which doesn't sound like you mean. Right. So the other mm-hmm. thing is is when a two is not doing well. When they're highly stressed, they start to act like an unhealthy eight. <laughs> so you will start to see. Okay, you're raising oh, your hand. Okay, okay. So they can get I'm aggressive for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are coming for me. <laughs> that is hilarious. All right. Well, I think now, Mignon, I I'm a very healthy eight, and he can be very in your face, which is why I know that that makes sense mm-hmm. that I could be acting like an unhealthy ape. Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. Sometimes I like to fight. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, there's one four, actually, there's a version of four that could uh, also likes it, but let's, we're not going to go down <laughs> subtypes road. Okay. Um, listen, it sounds to me, if I, I'm not telling you, you are, but you you sound two-ish to me more than four-ish mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say, and again, people might get mad at me for saying this stuff, but whatever. Yeah, I've been around the Enneagram a while. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been around it long enough that I pick up on people's energies. Mm-hmm. Now, when I mm-hmm. say energy, I don't mean like, you know, they're, they're like crystal aura. What, what I'm right. picking up, you know, every human being has energy. Mm-hmm. And you can see it radiating. People radiates off the body, like in the mm-hmm. face, off the body. It's in the clothing. It's in the way that their hand gestures are used. It's it's all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to say that yours is more two-ish than four to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, thank if, you. If anybody, if, if, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely thank you. Thank you if it was four. Thank you if it's three. I mean, you know, everybody just has a different energy. Right. And your energy to me feels more two-ish than four-ish. So I don't, again, Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you that's your type. I'm just saying one of the reasons you may have this two to four confusion is, is that you are a two who, because you're often in a healthy space, Mm -hmm. are feeling like a healthy four. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That makes sense. And if you were a four... Uh, and you were in a really good space, you would actually start to look like a healthy one. And I'm not hearing that Mm -hmm. in in you. So anyhow, that's a long way of saying maybe we've now cleared up the Mignon number mystery uh, (laughs) for now. You know, it's it's provisional. You can go back. I encourage you to go back and read like, you know, the road back to you again or whatever and listen about Tuesday. I've actually got it on my in my car. And I've been studying it because, listen, I love this Enneagram so, so much because I feel like it gives me a tool to explain to people who I am. So mm-hmm. if you if you if I meet you or or you meet me and we're going to be in a business relationship together or 
you know, maybe even a romantic relationship together. I want to know what your number is because maybe it's not necessary. I need to know how you handle trauma or pain or joy. Mm-hmm. And so I've been studying this because I really want it. I feel like it's such a valuable tool that you can use to share with people who you are. And when you when you hear my story and the things I've been through and then you wonder why I'm not bitter about it, that it's caused me to become better, then you understand me a little bit if you understand what my number is on the Enneagram. It just gives you language. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just so two-ish. Um, you know, <laughs> no, it is. I mean, look, look, you know, fours, again, this is an unhealthy four, but Force, yeah. and I've been through this, over-identify with their suffering. And in mm-hmm. fact, they can um, be people who become a little addicted to their own suffering. And so it's a little mm-hmm. bit like they can kind of walk around with a little bit of woe is me. Like why mm-hmm. was I chosen by the universe or God to have to experience all of what I've experienced in life? And they're mm-hmm. very past-oriented. Twos mm-hmm. uh, are more present-oriented. More like, well, mm-hmm. do we go, what do we got to do in this moment? But fours are more like, yeah. oh, what if in the past and kind of stuck back there? Well, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not getting that energy. Anthony, are you getting that energy? Not at all. I'm picking up on <laughs> that too. I'm not, getting that. I'm, not, I'm not getting that. Yeah, energy. I don't like saying oh, stuck. <laughs> well, I get you. I get you. Hey, everybody, if you've been listening to Typology very long, you know that I am a huge believer in the intensive counseling programs at Restoring the Soul in Denver, Colorado. So I am super excited to tell you that now through the end of 2023, Restoring the Soul is offering special discounts to Typology listeners. So if you are at a place in your life where you are really wanting to press into those challenging personal or relational issues that keep you from the life you want to be living. Listen to me. If you are in a season where personal or relational brokenness is weighing you down, now is the perfect time to contact Restoring the Soul. My longtime friend, and I'm talking 35 years, friends, Michael Cusick and his team of world-class therapists have created an intensive counseling process where you don't have to wait months or even years to find the personal or relational healing you need. Instead, you meet with them in half-day blocks over one or two weeks so you can get unstuck from the place you are to where you want to be. Now, Anthony, you have done one of these intensives with Michael Cusick and Restoring the Soul, right? Oh, man, I have. I love Michael. I got to be with him for a week. For me, he is like a counselor meets spiritual director, and I would say he has razor-sharp perception, and he uncovered some things for me that were life-changing. I love that. So tell people about this incredible offer. Yeah, this is great. So right now, there's a special offer for Typology listeners only. Restoring the Soul is offering $1,000 off any counseling intensive that is booked before the end of the year and $2,000 off the regular price if you book and attend a counseling intensive in 2023. No. Yes. All right, so that's $1,000 off any intensive that's booked before the end of the year mm-hmm. and 2000 if you attend one of their programs in 2023. Yes, amazing. That's a huge break. That is a huge, huge 
break. So listen, friends, take advantage of this amazing opportunity by contacting Restoring the Soul at www.restoringthesoul.com. That's www.restoringthesoul.com. All right. So, Mignon, we are going to get here to, in a second to talk about the new book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. I'm just having so much. I've only known you for about 30 minutes, and I'm in love, Anthony. I think <laughs> Mignon is one of the coolest people ever. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I've been following you so long, so I was already in love with you. So there you go. All right, continue. And you like my cake, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So... Mignon, you, uh, a question I love to ask people on the show. Are you in therapy right now? I'm not currently in therapy, no, but I do believe in therapy. And I, I, I feel like just right now, everything is in such a good place. I haven't needed it currently. Okay. So when you think about your interior world, mm-hmm. what, what is it that you feel you really need to work on right now? Like where, what's going on in your heart that you're like, Man, I, I I need to work on X. Like I can like for me, one of the things I'm working on right now is showing up in optimis- with optimism and encouragement wherever I go. That's what I'm trying yeah. to do these days. Be be an optimist and be an encourager wherever I go. So tell me, that's kind of a not a very deep one. What what is it for you? Because maybe it's a little deeper than mine. Yeah, I've got to stop people pleasing. And I'm going to have to worry, stop worrying about what other people think when nobody's not thinking about me. (laughs) Hold on a second. Let's go back to that thing you just said about, what was the first thing that you said? Confirmation. Stop people pleasing? Yeah, stop right there. All right, now, now. Anthony, should we just close the book on her yeah. being a two right yeah. now? We could have started with that. <laughs> we could have, if you had just said that at the beginning of this conversation, we would have known what number you were. We'd have started with saying, okay, she's a two or a nine. But apparently, right. I mean, come on. Yeah, sort of a, a, a subconscious mantra of the two is, I'm okay if you're okay. Yeah. Or I can't be okay yeah. if you're not okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people pleasing yeah. is a I'm big so tired of worrying about what people think who haven't even taken a second thought about me or will will you know get angry with me because I didn't call or make an announcement about a thing and I'm just saying you don't you don't give me that <laughs> How, how is it that I'm the only one who's responsible for everybody and how everybody feels? And I'm I'm tired of comparing myself to others. <laughs> Why am I? Did you hear that, Anthony? Oh my gosh! Oh. Like, we're just like it's like we're pulling off the onion layers, and it keeps it's a two, it two, keeps, two, two, two. Clarity. Oh my gosh! Get a little All more right. focused. Well, so I mean, I love this. Like to, we need to talk about I that confirmation this. I bias. need this. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just making me laugh. And I wasn't in a, I mean, seriously, this is making me like, it's making my, <laughs> this made my day even better than it was. And it was already going pretty well. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, let's talk about, let's it's talk about so this new book. That, well, it's Go so ahead. funny that people don't even practice this stuff, right? But they just show up as it because this is who they are. And there's nothing that you can do to fake it. It's just this is who you are. And I, I feel like 
if everyone else knew what their number was, the world would be a nicer place. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. It would be a nicer place to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. As a friend of mine says, if everyone knew their number, there'd be no more war. Anyway, um, it's probably not exactly true, but it's a nice <laughs> thought. So we've got this new book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. Here you've already told a little bit you know, of the story. You know, you're uh, at the time single mom, right? At the time, mm-hmm. uh, you have now seven kids, eight grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So you uh, are out there now. You've sold five million cupcakes. You're you're kicking, you know what? And uh, <laughs> you now are uh, now wanting to help other people. Blank. What are you trying to do? <laughs> I want to help other people know what they can do if only they believe. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I promised God if he would make me successful, I would tell other people about what they could do if they believe. And so this book and this journey that I'm on is just about keeping my promise to God to do just that. I believe that so many people think that they cannot accomplish these sorts of things. But once you do things in faith, you'll find out that God is just waiting for you to catch up with what his desires and plans were for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So the I love that the heart of the book is about helping other people find success without a recipe. But now I want to ask you a very forish question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you define success? Mm, that's so good. I feel like success depends on whatever you <laughs> I feel like this is gonna sound like such a four. <laughs> I I feel like success is whatever you make of it. So for me, I had a picture in mind of what success was going to look like and getting there makes me successful. It doesn't look like that for anybody else. And it's not, it's not necessarily a specific number. It's not a specific job title. It's being able to accomplish that thing that you set your mind out to do. And when you sit back and look at it, you can say, wow, that was good. Not only was it good, it was very good. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we were all created to create and that everything that we ever needed to become who we are and what we want to be and what we come up with in our mind to do was placed on the earth in the beginning. And so that there, if there's nothing new under the sun, then that means that everything is already here that will allow you to become or to create whatever it is that you've decided in your heart that you want to do. So I think it's just about a matter of finding joy in the process of being who you were called to be. All right. That's a better answer than some people would have given who wrote a book with a similar title. Okay. (laughs) By the way, that was not a four answer. Okay. (laughs) Um, That was just a good human answer. Mm -hmm. So, because here's the thing. If you had said to me, well, Ian, mm-hmm. success is, you know, mm-hmm. you have a dollar amount in your mind of what you want to do and you want to create a huge business and have mm-hmm. everybody know you and, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, do all those kinds of things. And, you know, uh, that, that, and that's success to me. And that's what my book is trying to do. My book is trying to help people be realize their full financial potential. Their, you know, blah, blah, you know, I'd have been like, oh, that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Because success looks very different for different people. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can die poor and be a success. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, you can be somebody whose children all become wayward and problems, problem, you know, whatever, and still be a success. You can, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? In other words, yeah. what the world deems success and what some people do try and sell success in the church as mm-hmm. being, you know, mm-hmm. uh, isn't necessarily what success is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. all to say, I'm glad that we don't, we aren't saying that the metric of success is money or fame or celebrity or any of that stuff. That you, What you said and what I heard you say is that success is tied to your achieving or living up to what it is that you're called to do. Hmm? Or how about this? I, as a four, I'd even say this. It's mm-hmm. just trying. Yes. It's just in the trying. And a lot of people, they try and try and try. They may never achieve, but the trying itself is a tremendous and beautiful success. Absolutely. I feel like part of my success is connected to the fact that I have raised seven beautiful children who not only love me, but they like me. Mm. And celebrate the things that I do and want me to be included in the stuff that they're involved in. Well, as, yeah. as a retired stay-at-home mom, that's success for me, that my children actually like me and want to be included in my life and want me included in their life and remember the things that we did together and now want to make sure that we are successful so that I can live. That's that's what success looks like to mm-hmm. Mignon. I love it, man. Yeah, that's good. I love, love, love it. All right, so uh, Mignon, is there a part of you that when I was talking about shame, you were mm-hmm. spending a lot of time nodding your head earlier, and I'm wondering why and what role shame has played in your life? Oh, yeah. Uh, I even I even tried to figure this part out, how to put a name on the way I feel, and sometimes I have to retreat out of a situation because I know what that feeling is. It's shame, but I don't know why it's where it's coming from. But I think it goes all the way back to being about eight years old. Mm. Um, We had gone to live with my father for the summer and my mom was coming to pick us up at Christmas time at the Christmas break because it was like, you love your dad so much, go live with your dad. And she made us eat those words. Mm -hmm. And by the time Christmas came, she missed us so much and we missed her and we wanted our mom to come get us. But I always wanted to be my daddy's little girl. And Mm -hmm. I remember going upstairs to say goodbye to my dad. He was in his room with the door shut and I knocked on the door. My dad had this really huge bark, but he really was a puppy. But anyways, um, I was afraid to open the door and I remember creeping in and I said, dad, I'm leaving. And he never moved. Mm. He was laying on his stomach with his face facing the window. I still remember the quilt on the bed being green with flowers and him having his blue boxer shorts on, like Mm. box, actual boxing shorts. Mm -hmm. And I said, dad, did you hear me? I'm leaving. I said, I love you. And he lifts his head and he says, Mignon, how can I love you when I don't love myself? And I remember putting my head down, receiving that for myself, walking out the door and closing it so that I wouldn't make too much noise Hmm. and just bouncing down the steps, understanding that my dad didn't love me. Hmm. 
And I spent the rest of my life understanding that my dad didn't love me until he died two years ago. And I think I struggled with him my whole life trying to get him to say that he loved me or whatever. There's so much I learned about my dad on the day that he died. So much about what he did for other people and how I just always wanted him to see me. And I just don't know that he ever did. But as my siblings were reading this book that I wrote, um, one of my sisters who was very close to my dad just felt like I didn't give my dad a fair shake in the conversation. Like, I just feel like you didn't give, I wish you would have talked more. Well, I talked all I could. I, I said what I knew. I gave what I could give. Maybe you have to write the story because you have a different experience mm. that I didn't get to have. But I always felt like I had to pay for everything that was supposed to be mine. Mm. You know, like my my brother was both of my parents' favorite and my youngest sister was my dad's, you know, twinkle in her eye, in his eye. And I, I had middle child syndrome. And so I spent my life looking to find that, to be special to somebody my whole entire life to to want that person that always chooses to choose me. Mm. And I thought I was going to find that when I got married and, and it didn't work like that. And for 21 years, I was in a tumultuous marriage that ended after 21 years of being a stay-at-home mom in this cupcake collection that I built. Because it's like, how do I take care of myself when my job has been taking care of you and these kids? And now you want to leave me? And I heard God say to me, whatever he takes, give him more and I will repay you. And I believed God. I believed that God would do exactly what he said he would do for me. And he has been faithful to do exactly what he said he would do. But he also, I also heard him say that everything he took, including himself, God was going to replace it. So I've just been, you know, wanting, when you ask about somebody rescuing me, you know, that's probably what I think of is wanting to have a relationship that chooses me. Hmm. And I would say that when I had my baby at 17, I was rejected again by his father, hmm. you know, and then I married this man who had three kids of his own and I raised those children like they were mine to the point where they, people always stop them and say, oh, you look just like your mom, <laughs> you know, mm, and yeah. but now they have children of their own and spouses that they choose. And so it makes me feel alone. Mm. But I know where I, I like I feel like I pinpointed all the way back to that interaction. There are these moments in life uh, that for some people uh, are these uh, these moments uh, that we can look back at and say, I have spent the rest of my life trying to understand or resolve or make sense of that moment. And um, I think uh, I've, I've had, I, I have a moment like that I, in my own life where I can look back and say, I have spent, it, it happened when I was around eight years old. And I know that I have spent the, you know, the last uh, 52 years uh, trying to understand it. 
you know, I, you strike me as somebody that likes to or needs to and has, you know, looked pain in the eye and, and made something better of it. I think, I think that's what is part of, for me in my life has been a definition of success. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then helping other people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, wow, Anthony, <laughs> Mignon Francois. For wow. Real, Plus, real. you know what? Do you know what else, man? <laughs> she has the coolest name of anybody we've ever had on the show. For sure. Right? Yeah. I feel Thank like having you. gumbo or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when I hear Mignon Francois, I feel like, I don't know. I want to get a glass of wine. I want to put on an old Sinatra record. I want to dance a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> None of which would end well, but I'd like to give it a shot. <laughs> Everybody, I want you to know about Mignon Francois. I want you to go get her new book, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. I want you to go to the Cupcake Collection. I dare you to eat a red velvet cupcake and not need rehab afterwards. I'm just telling you, it, they are addictive <laughs> And if I lived in Nashville still, Mignon, I would be telling you right now that you have to deliver a big box of cupcakes. But I live in Mexico, and by the time they got here, they'd be red velvet soup. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> but when I am in Nashville in November, I am coming to the store to get uh, myself another red velvet cupcake. Thank right. you so much for that. <laughs> Let's do talk about how people can get your cupcakes because you don't yeah, have to tell be us, Yeah, tell everybody. You do ship, right? Yes. So they can get our cupcakes 24-7 on the cupcakecollection.com. They can be shipped nationwide through our partnership with FedEx. And then they can visit one of our two stores that we currently have um, in Nashville. We have one in historic Germantown, and we have two being built right now, one in Hendersonville and one in Lenox Village in South Nashville. And then we have a store in New Orleans on Magazine Street because that's my hometown where I'm from. Come on. Oh, we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that. Well, hey, Mignon, I am so delighted to have had this time with you. So inspiring. Yes. So fun to figure out your type. I think. I think we did it. Um, yeah. And as always, Anthony, I have such a love and affection for you, mm. and that's the only time I'll say it until show 700. We're on 350 <laughs> now. So at the halfway mark, I want you to know that I still love you. And, uh, and people listening, Typology Tribe, I still love you. And so I say these words, may you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, and may you have rest. Until next time.